Anyone for tennis? Leicester return for Premier League action against Manchester City in the King Power. Also, we preview Napoli in the Europa League. Pete goes mad about Luckman and plenty more on for Fox's sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox's Sake. My name is Pete Selby and alongside me it's Rob Hayes. Rob, how are you doing in the heat? Well, I don't know if I told you on the last podcast that I have uh, recently built a vocal booth in my loft uh, and it's basically like a sauna this afternoon. So I- I'm-, I'm sweltering, thanks. How are you? I'm loving the weather. I've had a few days off. I've a very, very busy six weeks or so. And this would be the first pretty much kind of two days off at least on the bounce. So I've enjoyed the weather. I've enjoyed a few beers, maybe a few too many, but a few. I've seen some local football. Um, I've seen two recent games involving uh, Shep- the mighty Shepshire Dynamo losing 1-0 and losing 2-0 at home. So that's not great, but there you go. Uh, and yeah, it's just been uh, it's been really good. Enjoyed the weather. Enjoying the tennis, Miss Radicanu. Yes, very, very good. I watched, uh, we're recording here on a Wednesday evening. I watched her US Open quarterfinal victory earlier. Made sure I was home from work in time to watch it. That's how that's how much I'm behind her. And I think the rest of Britain and, and probably uh, a, a large section of world supporters are, uh, are uh, Emma Radicanu fans now as well. So tennis is good as well, especially in the sunshine. It almost feels like Wimbledon all over again. Yeah, I got a, got a, a, a sneaky few quid at some fancy prices as well on on Radicanu and, and and a little little kind of side bet. But there's a certain BBC Sports Personality of the Year event coming up at the end, just before Christmas, and at the moment you can get eleven to two on her, and if she wins, she'll be in odds on cert. So I'm um, I'm just saying that's I think that's a a knock on bet. But there we go. So hopefully, yeah, she gets the job done. She'll be uh, well. I think she'll be just a massive star anyway. So. Uh, yeah, all good. And then we've got the England game on. I was going to say we've got the England-Poland game on right now as well, and you've probably had a cheeky flutter on that and an old slabhead as well, knowing you. A couple of quid on old uh, slabhead first goal, if the price is right, and it is. So, yeah, if, if there's a huge cheer, then uh, obviously England have scored. But I'm actually ahead of it compared to you. I don't know how you're watching or what kind of uh, stream or whatever because, obviously, of your location. But I'm about, what, 45 seconds ahead? Yeah, I am watching it legally today uh, for a change today <laughs> on on, IT, <laughs> on ITV Hub, but clearly uh, the internet speed in Sheffield is not quite as significantly enhanced as it is in the in the leafy suburb of Shepshed. Yes, in 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 uh, in wonderful uh, Charnwood. But the one thing with the England game is it, obviously we've got a good team, haven't we? Good team and. Um, and also the stadium, because it's the stadium of Legia Warsaw, isn't it? Have I got that massively wrong? I think it is. Um, so this will be where we're going. This is be where fans can actually go and watch Leicester, because they release the fact that actually fans can go to watch away games in European competitions. That's just great news. Have I got that completely wrong, Rob? That This is the ground, isn't it? Uh, I don't know the answer to your question. If I'm being perfectly honest, I can neither confirm nor deny. Well, it's in Warsaw, so I just it, it's in Warsaw it. and it looks great. Yeah, so I just presume it's got to be it. It's got it's got to be that one. Anyway, looks looks fantastic. So we shall see when it comes to European competition. But I presume we'll be allowed. Ticket information will arrive at some point in the not too distant future because European competition starts next week. Lots to discuss regarding Leicester, regarding Leicester City men's side, the women's side, about games coming up, about not the game maybe on the field, but probably who's gonna be on the field for various clubs and and it always happens when you have an international period, isn't it? The week before 
everyone comes back. You've got your injuries from the games being played now. But then you also, at this current time, you've got a huge spanner that's being thrown into the works that doesn't necessarily affect us at all, as far as I'm aware. But it affects other Premier League sides, namely Manchester City, with this, and we might as well start it. The Brazilian FA can choose which players, and by the looks of things, they've chose every single one apart from Richarlison because he's a mate of theirs or they get along fine with his dad. I don't know. Um, they can choose which players are actually banned from playing this weekend uh, through all sorts of the shenanigans that have gone on in the week. If you didn't see what happened with the Argentinian players, and we mentioned that in the last podcast, didn't we, about the, the Villa players, the goalkeeper and, and um, Buendia and a couple of Spurs players who are going to play against Brazil against the wish of the Premier League, against the wish of the, the football clubs. And, and then the game was stopped after 10 minutes because the officials walked on the field half, well, after 10 minutes to, to stop the game and to get them. And because the only reason they, they did that is because they turned up late because of traffic. I mean, it's just a complete shambles, but really, really quite funny. But the Brazilian players, so when you look at Leicester, doesn't affect us as a football club, but... Manchester City, they have a certain Brazilian goalkeeper in Edison, and they have a certain Brazilian forward who's been playing slightly on the wing in Gabriel Jesus. So if they're not allowed to play, that's instantly two of their players who would be in the team. That's two of their genuine first-teamers who wouldn't be playing. Okay, they've got players who can come in. But as you inform me, Rob, they might have a problem in goal. They have indeed, because uh, in addition to the farce that is uh, occurring with South American football and COVID at the moment, their second choice goalkeeper, the American Zach Stefan, has also um, confirmed that he has tested positive for COVID two days ago while on international duty, which means that uh, as we speak on this podcast, Premier League clubs... FIFA, whoever else wants to get involved, are having a big old debate about are they allowed to do this? Are they, are they allowed to stop the players playing for their clubs? You know, really, it's kind of, it's such a grey area and it's really un- untested water in the sense that we've not really seen much like this before. So goodness only knows what the decision will be and how late it will come. But as it currently stands with the current ruling, Manchester City are going to have to put Scott Carson in goal against Leicester on Saturday. Now, he has got an almighty amount of grey hair for a professional footballer and I'm absolutely certain that Manchester City never signed him as a genuine contender to start in goal for them in the Premier League. I know he's been at the club for a couple of years, hasn't he, as the third choice keeper on loan from, from Derby and he played one game, didn't he, back end of last season uh, once they'd already won the title because he's, um, by all accounts, a good uh, presence in the training ground and, and in the dressing room and he's basically like another coach. Really vastly experienced, obviously, goalkeeper, but still not ideal to be playing him in a Premier League match against Leicester City, but that's that's where it stands. The, 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 the football and the COVID kind of crossover is just it's just a bit of a joke really the the fact that they have to storm onto a professional football match to deal with this is is ridiculous because the these travel rules have been in place for how long i know they're quite fluid but they've been in place this international fixture list has been on the calendar for ever for a long long time it's it's not moved it's not just been sprung on them how this many decisions are being left this late and, and, and are being looking so knee-jerk is, is absolutely beyond me. The reason Richarlison's uh, got away with it, I know you jested earlier, Pete, but it's because Everton let him go and play for Brazil at the Olympics, so they're repaying the favour by letting him go back and play for Everton, but nobody else is allowed, which it makes a mockery of the of the rules in the first place. It's 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 a real it's funny. I think it's really funny. Now, not about the reserve goalkeeper because that could affect any player, any time. We've had Bertrand out through COVID. That sort of thing is is bad. That whatever. 
Do you know what I mean? Because it can affect any club. And if a player misses a game because he's got COVID, that's just really unfortunate. And touch wood, that doesn't happen to to anyone. To anyone. If you've got a Leicester hat on, obviously we're going to say Leicester. But for any player at any club, you don't want that. Um, but away from that, this scenario, I just think is completely hilarious. How you've got Brazil against Argentina in a qualification for the World Cup. So big game, even though Brazil and Argentina um, generally get in massive problems when it comes to qualifying for the World Cup and end up scraping through every single time. It's like the easiest way of getting qualification. Uh, But this issue was easily seen from a distance. How they haven't turned around and gone, do you know what, we'll play in Madrid. Or we'll play in Porto, or we'll play that you know that kind of area of Europe. Because how many of the players are going to come from Europe anyway, from their clubs? Loads, right? We'll play in a neutral ground, this big game, no problem. I can't understand why that didn't happen. Uh, and then what we'll do is in the return leg, uh, so there's no kind of bias towards because I think it was Brazil, wasn't it? Yeah, it was obviously Brazil, Argentina. So when they play the return. Um, Argentina against Brazil again neutral ground whatever just do that I'm I'm sure both sides would have gone yeah fine and then Premier League clubs would have gone yeah you can go and play for your country because it's in Europe and that's what everyone else is doing so yeah and then when they walked on it was just magic you know completely hilarious but there you go so are they banned well at the moment they are I I'd imagine the Premier League clubs and, and the FA would come down like a ton of bricks but that's just that's just the way it is. You know, tough luck. If that's the rules, then then there you go. And that will be then a bonus for clubs like Leicester, hopefully, who are playing against sides who won't have those players available. The likes of Aston Villa are surely going to be depleted because those players were... And they were trying to go to play... Uh, they were going to go and do their quarantine in Croatia so they could train, so they're not locked in the training ground or at home. They could actually play amongst themselves and have a you know, a, a full week of training whilst quarantining and then fly back to the UK. And players, had they basically forged their documents or the FAs had, had forged their documents to say that they weren't in the UK. Well, if they put TV on and saw Match of the Day, oh, there they are, playing Premier League football. Mind-blowing. Absolutely crazy, you know. Oh, yeah, we... We we lied. Sorry. Yeah, we 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 you know pulled the wool over your eyes by saying we weren't playing in Premier League when hundreds of millions of people around the world saw them live on TV playing for their club sides. It's um quite frankly crazy. But again, because it doesn't directly affect any players to do with Leicester, and it's nothing to do with people actually having um the disease etc. and um and being ill because of that. It's really funny, and I just think it's hilarious. and And if they get if they get banned, job done, no worries, and they don't play this weekend. And surely that would be an advantage for Leicester. I know then the reserve goalkeeper doesn't play uh, because he's got COVID. So having Scott Carson in goal, it just has to be a huge advantage for Leicester in what's going to be a, a very difficult game. We'll take any advantage we can get, won't we? Surely against the uh, reigning Premier League champions. Obviously, like you say, not nice that it that it's uh, COVID related, but I think um, it's when we when we discussed the the most recent Leicester game and kind of reflected on the on the first three games of the season, we we kind of said that this international break most of the time is a pain in the backside because it it, it doesn't really let you get the season properly underway. But we we were of the opinion, really, weren't we, on this podcast that we sort of take two wins from three, walk away with the points and say, thank you very much. Uh, we've not necessarily got away with one there, but we can uh, get back on the training ground for a lot of the players and go again after the international break, after sort of, you know, a couple of um, injury issues again in defence, um, COVID with Ryan Bertrand. The performances weren't, mind-blowing by any stretch of the imagination but they were fairly productive points wise the issue is you're restarting after the international break against Manchester City so any help we can get is of course a bonus however what has been doing the rounds on social media uh, this week in the build-up to the game is that uh, that Madison goal which was one of five 
we scored against Manchester City fairly recently. So it's not the uh, impossible task that sometimes it looks on paper. No, it's not. If you maybe had your pessimistic Leicester hat on for a second, uh, so I'll just take my positive one off, put the negative one on. If you're coming back after an international period and you've got one game in the Premier League and you'll play against, okay, you can play against Man City because it is a free hit. So if you get thrashed or you lose, then it's hands in the air. Players are maybe picked up a knock over international period and, and will start again the week after. But also, you then play in Europe in a few days' time and you play the one game in the group where... Because the final game is away in Napoli, you look at that one game. If you could pick one game that Leicester probably have the most chance of losing, or you look at and go, do you know what? If we end up losing that game, we can always rescue the situation. It probably would be the first game against Napoli at the King Power. So the next two games, if I was being negative, if Leicester lose both of the next two games... It's not the end of the world because, again, Premier League, Man City at home, and then in Europe, Napoli at home, with then the games against uh, Warsaw and, and, and Moscow to come, uh, all the way through until then the Napoli game in the final uh, end of the group. So if you're putting your positive hat on, what a great win it would be, or point, against the champions, and then... You play Napoli at home, you can look forward to a massive game at the King Power. And if they beat Napoli at home, what a spring in their step forward for the rest of the games in Europe, but also the Premier League as well. So a big week, a very important week, two huge games. But also, I'm going to say a little bit of pressure off because of the state of the season so far, the early nature of the season, and also just after the international period. But huge problems really at the back. It doesn't look like Vestergaard's going to be back anytime soon, or at least for this game. With the the Napoli game, I'd have looked at it and gone, I'd imagine they're going to maybe look at that game and say, right, that's the game for you to come back and play against Napoli, or at least play some part against Napoli. Um, We can have a full week of training with Sorenjo on our way at Turkey, which hasn't gone immediately very well. Uh, We can have... um, you know, the majority of our back line with us at the King Power or at Seagrave and work on a tactic against Man City leading up to the game. And then Vestergaard, you know, we're not going to risk you against Man City. You can come in and play, maybe start against Napoli. Uh, that's how I think it might go down, unless Vestergaard actually is completely fine. Uh, but Soyuncu's errors that he's had so far this season, which have been costly errors have been highlighted again by his performance of Turkey, which I don't... Unless they're exceptionally bad, so he's turned around and head-butted someone or punched someone, or just terrible, or completely the opposite. You know, he was amazing. I really t- kind of take form for your country kind of a, as a pinch of salt. You know, you wanna, if, if you go away as a striker, scoring goals is always good. That's always going to be a good thing. But the rest of them... Take take it as a bit of a pinch of salt, really, because when they get back to Leicester, they're back at Leicester. It's a different, different game, isn't it? Different league, different different scenario, different setup, um, different teammates. So, even though he's had a bit of a tough time away with Turkey, who, as a team as well and as a country, I fancied them in the Euros. I thought they were like the dark horses. They've just been terrible since and during the Euros, and since they've been really poor. And yeah, he's a he's only gone and got a red card, hasn't he? He has, but I think the reason it's been magnified is because of the mistakes that he's made in the Premier League in the in the early stages of the season for Leicester. It's it's a horrible place to play in defence. I'm not for one second suggesting I know exactly how Suyuncu feels because he plays uh, professionally for some very important teams and I categorically don't. But ultimately you make mistakes at the back and they more often than not lead to a goal-scoring opportunity or a goal. You make mistakes in midfield or up front. Normally, they don't have that sizable impact on the game unless you've missed a sitter um, as, as a striker. So the fact is, people like talking about Suyuncu because he's a different kind of defender. He's not the sort of six foot three, burly, head it, kick it centre back. He very much likes to play which means that people like watching him, which you don't always say about centre-backs, in, in, certainly not in terms of the 
attractiveness of the football that they put on. I used to like watching like Matt Elliott and Steve Walsh, but that's just because they absolutely plough through anybody that was anywhere near the ball or their goal. Different kind of enjoyment. So when Soyuncu tries it and it doesn't come off, it is magnified, and it's magnified when they occur more and more often because that style of play comes with risks. It's a kind of risk-reward because how many times have we seen Soyuncu turn out of a tight situation and play the ball forward to a teammate and allow Leicester City to counter-attack or at the very least maintain possession where many other centre-backs would have said, you know what, I'm not taking any chances here. I'm sticking it in the stand. I'm going to get back into my defensive position and that's that. So the rewards are are plain to see, but the risks equally so. And Soyuncu, we're not saying that he's never made mistakes before. Uh, of course he has, because the, 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 the fact of the matter is he takes risks in our defensive third. But I think it's just because there were a few of them, uh, fairly high profile, leading to goals, and now he's gone away on on an international break with Turkey and I mean I'll, I'll, I'll be honest I haven't I, I didn't see the game so that I can't comment on his overall performance but and he is playing against a, a very good forward who's in form internationally in Memphis but he's playing against very good forwards who are in form who are international forwards every single week in the Premier League so you can't really use that as an excuse it's disappointing because really for, for Suyuncu, what you would want for his confidence and from a Leicester City point of view is for him to go away on international duty, play well for Turkey, maybe keep a clean sheet uh, and come back to being the Suyuncu that we know and love. I'm not saying he's a million miles away from that. I'm not saying it's a disaster like a lot of people are on social media at the moment, but it would have been nice for him to go and, and come back from his international break unscathed in that sense. It's disappointing that he's picked up a couple of yellows and therefore a red, but he backs himself and it's clear that Brendan Rodgers backs him and he's, he's more than prepared to let him continue that playing style and, and, and encourages it. So I think he'll come back Saturday. I don't think you'll see any kind of difference in his performance really. Um, it's a case of get back on the bike and have another go. Yeah, and also the fact that we haven't really got another centre-off apart from Daniel Armati. Well, moment, yeah, so. you, you make a good point. <laughs> you know, he, he needs to play. So, there's absolutely no problem at all. A couple of errors here and there. When you look at the rest of the team, you go through them, you, you look at, say, Barnes not firing, Madison not firing, Perez hasn't been firing, he's obviously going to be suspended for the game. Who comes in on that side? Uh, it could be Luckman. So since the podcast dropped last time, we've signed uh, uh, Luckman on loan to the, uh, I wouldn't say derision, I wouldn't say upset, but I think fans wanted a, they wanted a signing, of course. And when it's a winger, when you know that's the position, you're thinking, right, here we go, who are we going to sign? Uh, is it going to be someone who's got proven ability? Is it going to be someone who's uh, done it at a, a smaller club in a smaller league, like, say, a Dakar? Is it going to be someone completely unknown? Is it going to be a loan signing from a team who loaned to Fulham last year? It, it, yes, I can understand people going, hang on, what's this about? And then you look back at the, remember the penalty against West Ham last year. I like this signing. I really do. Again, the best way of scouting a player is actually when they play against you and you can see them for the full 90 minutes and you talk to your players and you talk to their players. And, uh, what's he like? And this and, you know. and let's get it right. Lookman completely destroyed Leicester at the King Power last year. He's quick. He's very tricky. He's got that ability to to move sideways very quickly with the ball as well as forwards. But... To, to glide sideways in a style of a some maximum he can do it um where they're so tricky it looks awkward sometimes and it then maybe is awkward because they're almost tricking themselves because they're not quite sure of what they're going to do with the ball now is that because they are such a good player 
that they're way ahead of the rest of the side that they're playing for. Well, in the case of Fulham, I can completely accept that because I think Lookman on many occasions last year, especially around that period, um, around around Christmas, around when Fulham started to look like actually they might put a run together and actually survive in the Premier League. He was just the instigator of everything. And on many occasions watching them, he was just a, a standout player with no one really to slide in or to, to pass to. It was a talk about a one-man show and having to do everything himself. So as an actual player who has been around for a long time, he's what, 23, 22, 23? He's you know, Charlton, Everton, and then obviously abroad, etc. So he's been a lot of places. And you look at this guy and you go, this is a guy who you can really work on and work with. And, and try and mould into a really good Premier League player, whether it's on the right wing or just as a, a genuine, say, number 10. Or, or I'd imagine, to be honest, he could play probably anywhere across that three behind the, the centre forward. I think it's actually a very exciting signing, even though it's maybe not the guy people wanted. And, and I can understand that. Uh, I think it's, uh, first of all, quick, which is what we want in that position because of what we haven't got. And I think he's going to actually be a bit of a surprise. I think he's going to surprise people. And people are going to look at him and go, actually, yeah, he's a really good player. I didn't quite know. I just, I've heard of him. I remember him at Everton. It never really worked out. And then he's gone away and Fulham. But, it, oh, it's him. And I think it's that player. I think a lot of people are going to be uh, not changing their minds, but they're going to be pleasantly surprised. Fingers crossed. You never know. It could go horribly wrong. But... I really like this signing. I think it's a uh, a very canny signing. Is it the guy who Leicester wanted? Is it the guy who was top of the um, small list of players that probably Brendan Rodgers and hierarchy at Leicester wanted? Uh, no, I guarantee. I bet you. I bet you all the money in the world. It's definitely not. They must have had targets that were way above, not Lookman Station, but in terms of money in terms of just being the main guy to sign uh, and also availability I, I think there were plenty of players ahead of him hence the reason we got him on the final day but um, but away from that because there's a million reasons why we wouldn't have gone and signed someone for money the fact that we had to shout out 15 million quid for an emergency centre off because we haven't got any uh, and also just the sign of the times and the money that we've spent and the fact that we didn't uh, I heard um Matt Piper, he, he mentioned this, which I completely agreed with, about the Madison uh, scenario. And we've said this on the podcast plenty of times. If Madison was sold, that money instantly would have gone straight into getting a winger. And they would have had, those targets would have been given the green lights. And Leicester more than likely would have a guy in now on the right side of those three behind Vardy, who has been signed for probably about 40 million quid. Who knows who it was? Who Who knows? But I think that would have been the case if Madison had gone for 60 70 million or they would have bought another number 10 that that would have been the case they wouldn't have just kept the money and then not got anyone in but as it is we've not lost anyone for the first time what since we've been promoted to the premier league or, or since we uh, we've won the league we have not sold one of our established first team stars and we've gone and got some very interesting players We've got rid of an awful lot of players, which they said was going to be the case, from the under-23s, etc. We've kept the likes of Hamza Chowdhury. That move didn't work out to say Newcastle. It, just a complete breakdown in, in I think, just the wavelength between the two clubs, the amount of money. We, we were saying, weren't we, about how much Hamza Chowdhury was worth, and we were kind of way out from kind of what each other kind of thought as well. So I'd imagine the two clubs probably were as well. Looks like Mendy's gone. He's going to go and play, go on loan to Galatasaray. So the the squad has been thinned out considerably, especially lower down the pecking order. But I really like this signing, and I think he's going to surprise a lot of fans. Hopefully, he does because I think we've got a bit of a diamond here. I'm I'm quite excited because I last year I was very. I'm going to go back and try and listen to a few of the episodes around that time as well. Find out when he's played really well because I think I've mentioned him a number of times when he's not playing against Leicester. Going, this guy, this is the guy we want. This is a player that we don't kind of have. We've got direct Barnes. We've got the tricky um, Madison and, 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 and Tillemans who can pass the ball, but we don't have that guy 
who, because Barnes is very direct, we know, and he's got a trick, but we don't have that maximum type player, that 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 winger slash forward who can run with the ball and do a trick and carry on and then score goals. That kind of all round. We've got the ones who are very good at certain aspects, but if it works out, I think we've got a right player. Yeah, at first glance, when you see his name, uh, and it was signed on deadline day when we were all hankering for a winger, it was, I wouldn't say underwhelming, but it wasn't one that I immediately saw his name and thought, oh, wow, yeah, what a player, what a great signing. But then when you take a step back and you actually think about all of the factors involved in this transfer window, both internationally uh, to do with the pandemic, but also from from Leicester City's point of view, we've all said that we want to eventually get out of the place of being a selling club. Uh, and, and, I th- and I think we're pretty much there apart from the the very uh the very biggest players in the sense of their popularity at the time and and that they're needed slash wanted by top teams so a first se- uh, significant transfer window without a significant sale means plus the fact that uh, finances are a little bit tight for everybody post lockdown post last season whatever it means that that sort of galactico sells thousands of shirts with his name on the back, costs an absolute fortune, tears up the Premier League winger, was never really on the cards, was it? Even if Leicester hadn't had to spend that money on Vestergaard, really, I don't think having just that extra little bit of money in the in the coffers, I don't think that would have edged them towards a world-class signing. And when you sit here season after season now as we have and said right we want to be breaking into the top four world-class players or players that have performed on the international stage or players that bring a bit of uh, uniqueness with them are the kind of players that you need to be signing to take that final step of course they are but the, f- the fact of the matter is Leicester are not the only club this window that have not been in a position to make a signing like that and I totally understand it. So then when you actually look at the player himself, I, I totally agree with you, Pete. I think he was a shining light for Fulham last season. He got a handful of goals and a handful of assists in a team that was not particularly good. Um, when they were good, he was absolutely at the forefront of it. And he has got natural, raw ability to beat players to beat defenders, to carry the ball at pace, to make something happen. And you would expect that at Leicester City, he's going to be surrounded by players, one that will make him better because they'll be able to get the ball to him in in more promising situations. And two, players that he will then in turn be able to feed from the positions that he manages to get himself in um, with his individual ability. So, it will surely, being at Leicester, make him an even better player than he was for Fulham last season. And I thought he was pretty effective against some very good Premier League defences. Um, it, it just looks a bit like nothing really happened for him at Everton. He was a wonder kid from Charlton when he signed for Everton. And now you're looking at it and why Leipzig prepared to let him go out on loan again. But it seems to be a deal that makes sense for Leicester because, as you say... It gives you pace down the right-hand side, which we don't have. Perez does not have pace, likes to drift inside and get involved. Albrighton does not have pace. His strength is his delivery into the penalty area. Lookman's got bags of pace. And he offers the opportunity to have Vardy flanked by Barnes and Lookman either side. And if I'm at any kind of defence, then I am looking at that front three and thinking, oh my goodness me, there's some serious pace here. We could be in trouble. And and that could really frighten a lot of Premier League defences. I really hope that it is as positive a move as, as, as we are suggesting. And if we want to draw the kind of com- comparisons in, in some ways, if you look at Damari Gray, this Damari Gray that started the season for Everton is not the Damari Gray that we saw very often at Leicester City at all. 
and you might look at some of the contrasts between him and Luckman and think, okay, they've been on similar paths where Gray didn't quite do it at Leicester, much like Luckman didn't quite get to do it at Everton. Both gone away to Germany, both come back to England. If Luckman's anywhere near as good as the way that Damari Gray started the season, then happy days. Absolutely. 100% I've got down Damari Gray's name as well to talk about with Luckman because Luckman has got the Premier League experience. The two players could not be hardly more... They're very, very similar in their story, aren't they? They really are similar. And I, it's just amazingly similar, and mainly because of the experience factor. Gray's come back to Everton, given a fresh start, fresh chance, la and all this, but he's got the experience in bundles, really, because he's been a, a fully-fledged professional since he was 17. So maybe the pennies dropped, etc., or maybe it's just the change of scenario, unseen, except you know, position, teammates, whatever. Or actually, it could just be a flash in the pan, and he, he kind of disappears for the rest of the season. You know, who knows? But Lookman would be exactly the same. He's got the experience, so it's hardly a player, say like Dakar, who's coming into the side in you know different country, uh, different league, etc., where it might take a season to get up and running, or half a season or so. This is a guy who who really should be firing all cylinders straight away, chomping at the bit, but he's not a youngster, 23 years old, and he's not uh, wet beyond the ears when it comes to playing football at a high level. He's got the Premier League experience. So, yeah, it makes an awful lot of sense. Plus, you're getting a guy on loan as well, where unlike, say, Jengez Under, who had been and done it at... Serie A level and, and, and done it for a short while at his club and was moving with the loan to a possible move and he's got to try and prove himself to get that um, in this league. It's it's slightly different here because this loan signing with a chance of then a permanent move, um, it, it's not a case of, of you necessarily being given time to kind of adapt and adjust, like, say, Under was probably given a bit of time at the start, you know, and, and let off as well by everyone. Say, oh, yeah, you know, he's got time to adjust, etc., etc. And then as the season goes on, you go, actually, he's just not going to make it, is he? For whatever, you know, for whatever reason. With Luckman, it's a bit different, isn't it? Because he comes in and he's got this loan to just go, right, bang, prove yourself, earn your, earn your contract. You're given no... I, I'm, I'm not going to be one of those, even though every player deserves a little bit of breathing space at the start. So I'm not going to say on his debut, he's got to be amazing. But I would expect Luckman to be ready and ready to go. If he's if he's fit, and I don't know whether he's match fit now, but if he is, I can't see any reason why he doesn't start straight away. So I'm going to be not what... And normally this would be the other way around. I would be one of those saying, look, let's just give him a bit of time. Players come on at their own different level, etc. No different speed. Uh, after a while, then you've got to kind of just pull up the drawbridge like we did with Under. But with Luckman, I'm going to be in the other side of things. I'm going to be looking at it going, right, I want to see performances pretty much straight away because of, the again, the nature of the guy and the nature of the experience that he's got. So I'm really excited. I really am. It's ever so strange because of all the players that we've signed in the last few years, and I'm amazingly excited by Patson Dacker who we've not seen yet, but I really am. And he's probably, mainly because of his position and because of who he hopefully will take over from and be a massive success. Apart from him, generally, this is possibly, and I know this might sound bonkers to some people, now, Pete, come on, you know, is that Moretti still swilling around in there from the last few days? It's one of the most exciting signings that we've made in the last few years, according to me. Just because of what he did last year, and and I was really you know shouting from the clifftop saying this guy is exactly, exactly the guy that we need, or at least that type of player. So hopefully, he lives up to some of the expectation. And I know this is going to weigh heavy on his shoulders now. He's going to hear this and go, look, Pete Selby from for fuck's sake, he is going to put all he put all his pressure on me. So if he starts off slowly then I hope he does mention that on Match of the Day and say, look, you know, it's been, 
I've, I've had to have all this on my shoulders, but I, I expect great things. I really think that this might be a guy in a couple of years' time that it hopefully is at the forefront of of most Leicester attacks on the right, down the middle, even on the left on occasion. I'm really excited by it. This is high praise indeed. It's not very often that you're this chuffed about something. I, I thought you were going to say that you would um, you would argue that this is one of Leicester's most productive and positive transfer windows uh, in in recent history, and I, and I think that's uh, that's something that I would uh, subscribe to if you look at where we needed to strengthen, where we have strengthened, the kind of player that has been brought in to strengthen the team. And the fact that the point that we mentioned a few minutes ago that that nobody significant has departed means that actually what we've been craving for a long time is depth within the squad, but but depth with quality where it doesn't affect your season so badly if a certain player in a certain position is out injured. Now, of course, in any team, you have the odd player here or there who, without them, you are significantly weaker. Of course you do. But I think what Leicester struggled with and have struggled with in the last few years is the fact that in the days when you could maybe only name five subs, for example, if you were doing that with Leicester squads of the previous few years, you'd be able to name that 16 no problem. And then outside of that, you're looking a little bit threadbare. You're looking at very fringe players. You're looking at youngsters being thrown into situations that they're not ready for. Whereas now you look at the cover that we've got in all positions. Yes, that I mean, even you look at the defence and the four players that you're still able to put out in the back four are, are competent, to say the least. Yes, uh, Marty and Thomas, uh, you're getting down towards the sort of the depth there of the depths of your squad. If if you if you get my my drift, you sort of you're dipping deeper and deeper into your squad to to get yourselves out of out of trouble there. But there are players all over the pitch, and players like Dakar who haven't had a really had a sniff yet, just waiting on the bench to make an impact. And I think the Europa League is going to offer an opportunity for that. Uh, but Lookman, what he does is adds great competition to the right-hand side because when Perez got suspended, our two choices on the podcast were or Brighton comes in for a straight swap or you end up playing two right-backs, basically, or, or wing-backs at best with Castagna and Ricardo. Now, Perez suspended, you've got an out-and-out full-back beating winger to slot straight in, obviously fitness permitting. It is another excellent acquisition to a squad that has been assembled very, very well in this summer transfer window. Yeah, and also you if you look at all the players who we've brought in and the stage of their career and what they mean to the squad, it's it is so different, isn't it? You've got your Dakar and Samare who are very similar, both young, new to the Premier League and their position in the squad is also very similar, both behind an established star of not only the football club, but also the Premier League in Wilfred Ndidi and Jamie Vardy. And hopefully when they get game time, they will just build and build and build. And they are definitely ones who, when they do come on, if they look sloppy or, you know, it's still work in progress again, hands off for another year or so or or six months or whatever. You know, there's plenty of time for them to develop into players. You look at Vestergaard, an emergency sign-in who we needed to sign on the back of what happens of Fana. We went and got him, a guy who we, we all know as a footballer, who the players know, who Schmeichel knows, and who's been linked with the club before. Gone, got him, decent money, and bang. Hopefully he works out. Hopefully he doesn't turn into a bit of a an, an injury nightmare with him and he works out to be a very good player. And also, again, the players who have left through various means are players who would always leave and there was the rejig of what's going on kind of behind the scenes under 23 level. So yeah, it's, it's been a, a very successful transfer window. And again, Lookman, we'll just wait and see, but it's just a player who I, I can't remember the last time we signed the player of that ilk. 
Um, so, yeah, we shall see. Fingers crossed it works out. And uh, he, you know, he plays at the weekend and scores the winning goal against Man City. What do we think, Rob? Man City at home, Scott Carson in goal. Uh, it, it, this is almost the ultimate kind of random pick in terms of results and score. You go away to Man City and you can... Oh, I know we went there and won handsomely last year, but you go away at Man City or you go away to Liverpool or whatever and you can try and come up with a reason why um, Leicester will get a point or even sneak a win or whatever in terms of defeat. But when you play at home and probably the number one team would be Man City, I think you look at this game and you could generally throw any results at me and I'll go... Yeah, oh, you know, I can see that. <laughs> Even if you say Leicester are going to win 3-0 with the Carson, uh, I I could see that. I could generally see, okay, Leicester, they've got problems at the back. Goalie has a nightmare. Uh, Leicester on fire. And, you know, we go a goal up early. You know, I can see that. But also, if you turn around and say, actually, I can see us getting a hiding, I, I can completely see that as well. I, so this is the most difficult prediction, I think, of the entire season. I... To be honest, I'd love to say we're going to go and win. But just at this current time, I just think that the way we've been playing over the three games and also with the issues in defence, I just think Man City will win. And I don't think they'll give us a hiding. I can see it being only one goal. And I can certainly see Leicester scoring. So I'm going to go 2-1 Man City, and I hate to say that. I I don't think that either of us have ever predicted a defeat for Leicester ever on this podcast. And now I know we're 180 odd episodes in, and some people might find that quite laughable. Um, but I I I'm, I can't. I'm racking my brains. I can't think of a time, regardless of who we've played, regardless of the fixture. I can't think of a time where we've predicted Leicester to lose because I sit here and I completely agree with everything that you've said there in terms of your your reasoning behind your prediction but I'm still going to sit here and say goals 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 2-2 two, two, because I can't predict Leicester to lose I just can't do it no okay then 1-1 one, one. but I, I I generally think if if it's it's difficult it's just the way Leicester have been playing now they hopefully they just come out of the blocks flying and it's the Leicester not of old but it's the way Leicester can play and it's the Leicester from the first half against uh, Wolves. And it starts to really click. Or it just becomes a really stodgy game and one goal wins it. A Vardy goal after 60 minutes or something. Great, not a problem. Or a header from a corner. I, I, I can just see it though. I, I just see Man City and the way they've been playing. And the fluidity with some decent fixtures as well. But... I, I can just see them just having too much, unfortunately, for Leicester, and and then we go on to the game against Napoli, and then we, and, but it, but also for what I said earlier in the podcast, it doesn't really matter as well if we do get turned over. It's in the Man City game at home. It's it's just that game, so it might be a little bit negative on the back of an awful lot of positive stuff. By the way, all that stuff about Luckman and and the rest of it, but I just think. I just can't see it for Leicester at the moment. I really can't. The back line is the big problem. The way Man City play and the lack of focal point up front means I can see them just getting pulled out of position an awful lot and not really... It doesn't suit those players. If they had a target or if they were a team to pump it into the box or to get it wide and to and to whip the ball in, then I would be like, right, well, our Marty can deal with that and, and Soyuncu can deal with that as well and, and they'll be fairly solid. But with three or four false nines on the pitch I and Mares out wide, I can just... I just see them breaking us down and 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 uh, and scoring at least a couple. I hope I'm wrong, but unfortunately, I, I'm going to go for a defeat. I was not saying, by the way, that you're not allowed to. I was just merely pointing out that I don't think it's happened or before, or if it has happened, then it's extremely rare. What about the Napoli game? Then um, 
I've just uh, had a quick browse of how they've been doing so far. Two wins from two in Serie A. They are um, a very passionate group of players and supporters. And uh, and it's the first group game in the Europa League. Leicester in Europe again, which is obviously uh, a really enjoyable and strong position for for the club to be in. And, and it's... It's a real positive for Leicester fans, and I think we we kind of dissected that after we come to terms with finishing fifth again. That actually to have back to back European campaigns um, is obviously, if you look at Leicester's history, extremely rare, and it's something once more to look forward to. You want to be playing teams like Napoli, let's face it, teams that you've actually heard of before, and it will be a great occasion for Leicester City fans to enjoy and we will really want you you want to start this group as you mean to go on and make sure that you progress from it but obviously Napoli is 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 a very very tough game so I'll tell you what I know you said with when you uh very briefly put on your pessimistic hat that um it wouldn't be an absolute disaster if Leicester lost both of the upcoming games that we're talking about here, Manchester City in the league and Napoli in the Europa League. And I can completely see where you're coming from with that. And, and it would not be a disaster in any way, shape or form. But I'm going to keep my optimistic hat on uh, and I'm going to go for something a lot tighter against Napoli. And I think I will go for them to start stronger and be leading in by a goal at half-time, Leicester to grow into it with the supporters behind them and get a reasonably late goal for a 1-1. Well, I'll be more positive here. I'm going to go for Leicester 1-0 in a very tight game against a good Napoli side, two from two, as you said, and you pick out one or two of the players and seeing it down the centre, looking down their recent lineup. De Lorenzo was playing for Italy in the summer. You've got... Uh, uh, Ruiz on the right, um, Elmas on the left, the uh, the young Macedonian, uh, Kudabali at the back. They're a good, good, strong team who will be pushing for, well, arguably you'd say the title really in, in Italy. So it's going to be very difficult, but I think this Leicester side, which might be slightly changed depending on injuries, etc., but also... Players who have maybe been given the nod from a few weeks ago to say this is the game that I'm going to put you into the starting lineup, so there might be just be one or two. Um, I think as much as they are a very good side and they've played an awful lot of European football, I can just see Leicester really rise into the occasion uh, more so, arguably, than a three o'clock kickoff against Manchester City. If you catch my drift, every player should be given 100% all the time. But I think this is going to be very special. It's going to be special for a couple of reasons. It's going to be special because it's European competition and the amount of football that we've played in Europe is still minimal. And some of these players would have only played a very small amount of games in Europe. And they're now playing at home under the lights against Napoli in front of what will be a full King Power Stadium and a King Power Stadium that will be bouncing. It's going to be a fantastic atmosphere and that should lift the players. And if they get a win or a positive result, that should then really set them up for the next few games. It really should. So, regardless of what happens against Man City, I think this is a completely separate game. I do not think anything that happens against Man City, even a a 3-0 win, I don't think any of that's going to have any difference on this game. I think it's going to be completely separate because of the occasion and all that I've said previous. So, I'm going to go for a 1-0 win. I'm going to go for Leicester to to edge a really close game. Goal is at half-time. I think is a really decent bet. I think goal is at half-time and then second half, shooting towards the South Stand, the Cop. I think Leicester and maybe Mr. Dacker. I think this could be the game where where he comes on uh, for Vardy, who's put himself about and maybe got a booking or whatever. But I think Dacker comes on with half an hour to go and uh, maybe alongside Iniacho and I, 
I can see him maybe getting the goal and, and, and a real big start to his Leicester career. So I'm looking forward to it. I really am looking forward to it. So I should be there um, in, the, in the press box, in the com box. So that I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fantastic. And uh, yeah, a Leicester 1-0 win against Napoli. But what a night. Hopefully, hopefully, I know the weather's not going to be as hot as it is now, but a really warm evening. That's what you want as well. Proper, proper European football. And uh, yeah, oh, what a game. Very much looking forward to it. Very jealous of the fact that you're going to be there and I am not. I am uh, hoping to get to a few Leicester games this season because since I've been up here in Sheffield, we've only had half a season where the stadiums were actually open and then since then I've just had to watch everything from behind a screen. But uh, yeah, enjoy lapping up the atmosphere, Pete. I look forward to hearing all about it on the uh, on the next podcast. Yes, it should be good. Now, um, fantasy football-wise, because we're in a bit of a gap... Um, I tell you what, we we won't just run through the league because, again, we're in that kind of lull and it's all a bit um, upside down at the moment, isn't it? So I'm in 47th. Rob? Yeah, I've got no idea where I am. I'm just uh, <laughs> literally getting it up on my phone right now. Yeah. I, I know um, you said my name and then paused because you were also looking for me. So Yeah, uh, I, to be honest, sorry, scrolling through going... I don't know whereabouts you could be. You could be above me. You could be way below. I don't know. <laughs> above. I'm 40th. Are you really? For, hang on, so, yes. So you are ahead of me. Uh, I had a really poor week two weeks ago, whenever it was. And um, so you leapfrogged me. So we are um, still, actually, we're quite far away from the top. I think early stages, there's some amazing scores in the league, really. But uh, that can all come crashing down because this weekend is going to be amazing. You've got players being signed like Ronaldo. Uh, you've got players not being signed, who many people wouldn't have had in the sides, Harry Kane. You've got players who were signed, but slightly later than the start of the season, and people have already had their team sorted, Romelu Lukaku. So you've got three massive players there, and now you've got this period where people may have played their wild cards. You've got all of the scenario regarding players not being available for various reasons the Brazilians and the Argentinians that we spoke about earlier so uh, anything could happen this week um I will say one thing I have actually played my wild card uh, even though I've had a decent start to the season I just looked at those players and I've got I, I need to have them in the side so I've I've brought in the likes of Kane I've brought in the likes of Lukaku so I've I've completely rejigged my side and uh, yeah, made, made some made some big changes. Even though I said it's you know forty fifth or whatever, I am, that's not bad at all. So yeah, I've uh, I, I've played my wild card, Rob. Interesting move. I have not yet considered my approach for this weekend. Uh, I'm gonna bide my time, possibly wait for a few more decisions to be made by the powers that be to see what happens there. Uh, I was gonna say. Taking your wild card this early is a bit risky, but when you reel off the players that you've actually been able to move into your team, like Lukaku and Kane, uh, not many people would call that risky, putting those two in your starting lineup. So we'll we'll see how that pans out. Yep, we shall see. And, uh, and obviously then next time that we gather for the podcast, we'll have the full rundown of the top 10 because we would have had a new game week, etc. So I think that's it for the podcast. I can't think of anything else if... You want to get in contact with the podcast. You can on many different formats and many different ways. You can email us. A lot of people have been emailing us over the last few weeks. For fox8podcast at gmail.com is the email address. You can get in contact via Twitter at FFSpod for fox8podcast. FFSpod on Twitter and on Facebook. If you search for, for fox8podcast, you can find us on there. Give us a like and it means you'll just see everything that we post on there and also gives a like on Twitter and all that sort of gizmo. So that's it for the podcast. Unless you anything have anything else, Rob, at the moment, what, 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 we're 53 minutes, it's still goalless, Poland nil, England nil. Uh, nothing else to add. I just hope your bet on Slabhead comes in at some point because it's been a pretty lively game. Just needs a goal. Yeah, it does. Yeah, fingers crossed. And fingers crossed, Radicanu wins at 54 to 1. That'd have been lovely. But, <laughs> but there we go. Yeah, that's it for the podcast. Next time that we're here, hopefully we've got the victory against Napoli. We've got the victory against Man City, against what I think will happen. 
and also we'll have then more concrete news regarding being able to travel away from home because that's what we all want and I think if we're given the green light especially for Poland I think that's going to be the game where a lot of Leicester fans will look at and go right I'd love to go there even if you're not really got a chance of getting the ticket I think many people will go just for the crack just for the laugh so um, yeah if that's the case then more news on that next time we gather for for Fox sake thanks for listening and up the city Music